All right, it's time to talk some earnings. We got Tesla coming up, but Intel, Lamb Research on the docket as well. Busy afternoon here as equities close mixed. The NASDAQ able to pull off a small gain, 30 basis points. But we saw the Russell take a big dive down 2%. Some dip buyers there helped to end up off the lows. And we got bonds. The highlight, though, is the 10-year yield rocked and rolled. Jamming. Bond bears definitely in control as the 10-year yield ends the session at the highs of the day. Bond prices at the lows. And we're just under the 1.87% 52-week record that we got exactly seven days ago. So it looks like 10 years ready to continue its ascent and the dollar two pushing 96 and a half well into the high end of that range as well from the last few months time to talk some stocks though and we've got the old earnings panel back with us nicole Petalides and george tillis join me this afternoon so obviously elon's the highlight here guys great to see you george great to have you back nicole and uh until then though a few other things to look at las vegas sands coming out too that'll be an interesting check-in on some of the reopened trades and then uh, as we were discussing chip makers as well intel lamb research going to be important looks like intel might be our first one as it bounces a little bit i'm kind of feeling optimistic on intel nicole because ibm had a rally on its report and it seems like investors are warming up to some of the old dinosaurs of this market yeah, we always like the old dinosaurs. I mean, the thing about Intel is that they didn't maneuver quickly enough. And so while they're in this new expansion plan to make different things happen, for example, when Pat Gelslinger came on board, they've had declining profit margins for too long free cash flow is non-existent. And so what investors want to hear is something incremental in the right direction for Intel. I think the expectations are somewhat low. They've been um, losing to AMD. We know that, right? Losing market share to AMD and massive chip facility in Ohio. They put a lot of money towards that, 20 billion. So I think as long as investors are hearing things going in the right direction for a complete turnaround plan for this one and ambitious goals, here, I think as long as the capital is being spent correctly, people will uh, embrace what Intel's doing. Tick up and then tick down, and now right at 5170, which is uh, where we closed out. Uh, EPS comes ahead of the estimate uh, by a solid amount, 19 cents ahead. 90 cents was estimated, and a dollar 09 is what they report. And they say that revenue next quarter will be 18.3 billion, slightly down from this trailing fourth quarter of 20 and a half billion. Uh, but uh, a reminder, too, of how big this company is, Microsoft doing $50 billion and Intel half. It may not have some of the growth themes and exciting secular disruptive stories as Microsoft maybe does. Uh, but as far as just stability, George, maybe it has something to offer here for investors if they've cleaned up the act a little bit. And to Nicole's point, I think they have. It's going to cost them to play catch up. But the market wants them to do that. Nobody wants to see Intel fail. Yeah, I mean, what Nicole said is very poignant. Uh, how are they carefully spending their money? It's about CapEx. It's about what's going on with their foundry business, which, in fact, they're actually going the opposite of what uh, we even talked about, OJ and Nicole, uh, which is I thought they were going to divest of their foundry, sort of concede to the leaders in the foundry and the manufacturing space to companies like Taiwan Semi. But in fact, Intel's going the opposite direction and making more investments in production, but they are doing so domestically. It's great for job growth and maybe to deal with some of the supply chain constraints 
uh, globally. But this quarter, I mean, a little bit of a surprise for sure because the uh, 18.36 billion was the number uh, last year for the same quarter, 20 billion this quarter, uh, 20, uh, 20 and a half billion. So they beat the estimates, but I think what uh, they were expecting this quarter in terms of sales, they're pushing out to the next one in terms of lowering their guidance. Uh, the EPS number, a little bit ahead of expectations, always good to see, but you also brought up a great point. I mean, when, you come to, when it comes down to sales, being uh, you know half of that are companies like Microsoft, the market cap is significantly lower for companies like Intel because of uh, the plan. What's going on? They've lost their, their edge, so to speak, uh, to competitors like AMD for sure. Uh, when it comes down to data, CPU technologies, have really lagged. Uh, at the same time, there is value. And, and one of the things that uh, I'm probably sure they're gonna talk about, and I think this is gonna be interesting from an analyst standpoint is, what are they doing with Mobileye? Because there is uh, estimates that Mobileye, which is the autonomous driving division they uh, purchased uh, years back, they're gonna spin it off into a separate company. And, and some estimates are a $50 billion valuation. Uh, and that's about uh, a quarter of uh, Intel's market cap. Okay, uh, so as the stock drops a little bit here, it's not getting too far to the downside though, as they raise the dividend two to 36 and a half cents. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, Nicole, when you can raise the dividend, market might give you a pass on some of the other catch-up games you're playing at a time when everybody keeps coming on here recommending dividend stocks. I don't know if you're hearing the same from your guests, but it's been a solid theme. I mean, that's been the theme. That's why we have the aristocrats, exactly. right? I mean, that's an investment strategy to just go for stocks that have a great dividend and those that keep raising it uh, year after year, decade after decade. So I think you're absolutely right on that. So they're raising the dividend by 5% to 36 and a half cents, as you noted. And so at least that part is some good news there. I think people always like to see a dividend. The part you are seeing some shaky trading here. It was down 1%, down 3.5%. And it's going back and forth. Um, I also was looking at the sees the first quarter revenue. It looks like it's going to come in a little less exactly. than the current quarter. And I'm not sure that people love that. They want to know, you know, wh where is the money going? Why, why is the revenue going to slip a little quarter over quarter? Um, that's something that I would like to know an answer to, because as we noted, how they will spend the capital um, is key. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that people want to take a look at. I mean, I saw uh, Bernstein had a price target of $40 on this stock. That's well below than where we are now. Now oh, the bears are still very much in this uh, from an analyst perspective. Uh, let's talk some other chips as Lamb Research is out. Uh, as Caroline mentioned at the top of the show, KLA Tencor had a big bounce, but then gave it up with the broader market pullback in the second half. KLA Tencor and Lamb Research uh, both cut from a similar cloth here. Uh, Lamb reported EPS of $8.44 and a revenue of $4.2 billion. Bit of a tick down. Uh, Georgia, do though wonder how much the earnings will play into companies that have been very successful the last two years, like a Lamb Research and a KLA. How much is this going to be stock specific and how much will investors just treat companies in the chip space with the exception of Intel as generally being growth businesses uh, that now kind of get wrapped up in some of this broader weakness due to macro forces. I mean, you take Texas Instruments and Intel out and most of these, most of these chips meet the description and the categorization of growth companies. They, they do, and you have to look at growth uh, with a, with respectable value and income and, and earnings. And that's what LAM Research and KLA 10 Core 
provide, but you know, there's been a challenge. I mean, we talk about supply chain constraints for semiconductors and equipment manufacturers like Lamb Research. I think these are sort of mid-cycle cyclical names right now in terms of, yeah, their technologies we know are in high demand, but uh, I think the uh, the other cyclicals, you know, the traditional cyclicals like financials and energy are gonna perform better than these, uh, these semiconductor centric ones, even though again, you know, pricing power is still, uh, you know, a critical component of their businesses. And of course, market share with Lamb Research being one of the largest equipment manufacturers globally uh, may not necessarily be enough. I mean, this is a very challenging environment for any company. Uh, in this case, it looks like, and correct me if I'm wrong, if they missed earnings, it looks like 4.41 billion was the number estimated. Yeah, a shy. I think you mentioned it was 4.2. Yeah, a little bit shy. So. You know, that might be based upon the fact that, uh, you know, there's still log jams in supply. But that's, again, you know, not an excuse in this environment to, to be able to say that, hey, this is why we missed. It's not our fault. But, you know, this is a market that's not not doesn't have the appetite for it. And, uh, and you can see it's uh, it's trading the downside. But things can change. There's no doubt based on guidance. Uh, but right now, uh, pretty weak for Lamb Research. All right, here comes Tesla. Uh, trading right now at about $895, so we'll first take down uh, after closing at 937 so about a $30 drop in the first response to a number that came in ahead of expectations. EPS, $2.54. Revenue of $17.7 billion. So that's $17.7 is a billion-dollar beat on 16.6 from the estimate from analysts. That's a pretty good beat for Tesla by a billion dollars. Gotta say, 236 on the bottom line was the estimate, so 254 is also a healthy beat. I mean, this is the type of uh, beat you look to see for a company that has earned its spot in the S&P 500 with earnings ahead and revenue ahead. Uh, that's a billion dollar beat for Tesla. That's, that's some pretty serious uh, uh, numbers there. Uh, we're talking like a six and a half, seven percent beat compared to what the street was looking for on sales. Generally think sales are the uh, number that uh, Tesla analysts are looking for overall sales deliveries. Obviously cash flow is gonna be important, uh, but uh, the first take down a little bit. Uh, don't wanna read into that too much just yet. Stock's been trained between uh, $850 and $1,000 for the last three days here in this crazy market volatility. They posted 57% top line revenue growth and some gross margin expansion in, additional, in addition to the operating margin expansion. If we go back to that screen real quick, because uh, free cash flow is going to be important there too. Always a really important part uh, for Tesla. Uh, but just generally, I mean, hard to really kind of ask for anything better on paper. I mean, there's always wild cards with Tesla. And I think everybody wants to hear about the plans for the Cybertruck, Nicole. But first blush, pretty good numbers across the board. It's a triple, quadruple beat if you include the margins. I mean, you know, the theme here is that everybody thinks that Elon Musk puts out conservative guidance generally. And the fact that they're coming out here because they, you know, he'd rather beat on. We've seen it a million times now with Tesla. Right. Um, and just the fact that they're coming out with these numbers, these are incredible numbers beating on the top and bottom line. The company's also saying that they plan to grow manufacturing capacity as quickly as possible. Facilities in Austin, Texas and in Germany are in focus without a doubt, as you mentioned, the Cybertruck. But we've also seen a lot of excitement surrounding other parts. For example, the fact the shift to the Model Y from the three, the Model S Plaid that could bring some optimism. And while there's a lot of competition with Rivian and Lucid and Ford and and such um, and regulatory risk too. The big picture is people still seem to many that we have on. We had on Ross Gerber today. 
He, he had a 975 target and his bull case was 1300. We had on Garrett Nelson today from CFRA. He had a price target of 1250. His bull case was 1400. Uh -huh. So it seems that there are more believers than not. Well, we got a grizzly bear here standing by uh, with Gordon Johnson this afternoon. So we'll get the uh, other take now that you got the bulls out of the way. Uh, all right. So. Uh, total production, 305,840, uh, uh, and uh, total deliveries, 308,650. Also, just to clarify, the screen we were looking at was from the previous uh, instance uh, for Tesla's numbers on the margin there. Uh, so my mistake there. Uh, George, as far as deliveries go, 309,000, roughly uh, rounding up a tiny bit there. Uh, this is a pretty solid number that puts them on course to uh, hit near the expectation for the year, but depends on which one. I mean, analysts have a pretty wide range, but if you're looking for about 1.4 million on the year, according to Bloomberg, uh, they'll have to pick it up a, a tiny bit from this pace, because this gets you to about 1.2. Yeah, like I, yeah, I mean, I think it was last year, they were at what, 500,000. We can see just the trajectory of growth, even though there's competition, yeah. there's no doubt, but you know, I think Tesla's facing competition from a financial standpoint at the right time because they're they're achieving scalability and i'll just give you some numbers to give you perspective here but last last year for the same quarter 80 cents is what they what they printed 254 is the number all of last four quarters excluding the recent one they just reported they reported three dollars and 55 cents so this quarter alone 254 and that's pretty impressive so you're basically seeing you know net income relative to sales uh very impressive with top line sales at plus 50 percent so you have to think about this company, not just as an auto company, it's a vertically integrated sustainable energy company. And this is a very, uh, very tricky environment. I mean, even as you mentioned, OJ, margin expansion, it looks like average selling price, which was a, going to be a challenge this quarter, may still be intact with operating margins uh, expanding, gross margins expanding, as you mentioned, uh, but stock is selling off. And I think this is uh, you know, a, a part and parcel of what's going on from the market environment that we're in because of the Fed. But, you know, it's tough, I suppose, to be a bear, but I, I can see why there's some bears out there because, you know, is, is this sustainable? Is competition coming down the road? These are questions you have to ask, but the earnings are improving significantly. So it's not necessarily, you know, a not profit, not profitable business. It is a profitable business. It's generating free cash flow. Operating metrics are improving. Uh, and net income, bottom line, is, uh, is becoming more creative to shareholders. Okay. Uh, that's and I point. have one more thing to add. Wait, yeah, can go I ahead. just add one more thing? And that is um, something that we were talking about. And one of the risks was whether or not they would have to do a capital raise. And they've already put that to bed. The company came out and just said they have sufficient liquidity to fund their product roadmap, to fund their long-term capacity expansion and other expenses. So it just yeah, feels big. like Elon Musk should send off another rocket or something. <laughs> All right. Sure he will. Uh, okay. Really good thoughts, guys.